sounds like what you're saying is I am right and brilliant and Elliot is wrong and not very smart. Well, I would uh, I would agree that you are right. <laughs> and I'm sure you're brilliant. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks, Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. In 1781, just a few days shy of his 14th birthday, Guinzi was sent on his very first diplomatic mission. Quincy, the eldest of John and Abigail Adams' children, was different. He was special, and his parents were not afraid to talk about it. I was recently in Boston where Sarah Giorgini, an editor at the Adams Family Papers at the Massachusetts Historical Society, showed me this incredible letter in which Abigail writes to John, openly assessing her children's prospects. In this letter, Abigail is writing to John about their kids, who are, you know, kind of grown by now. And she isolates John Quincy, we think, um, for her view. And she says to John, I will not say that all my geese are swan. Perhaps I build more expectation upon the rising fame and reputation of one of them than of another. And so when we saw that letter, we thought, oh, she probably means John Quincy. So that's the the swan among the geese. And so at just 14 years old, he was sent to Russia as an interpreter and travel companion to Francis Dana, John Adams' own secretary. They were tasked with convincing Catherine the Great to recognize American independence, which she was never, ever going to do. The post, politically fruitless, but... A worthwhile personal endeavor, Quincy was living the dream. He was a teenage diplomat traveling around Europe without his parents. He's toured Russia. He has lived in the Netherlands. He's attended Leiden University. He's seen a bit of the world. And so he comes to Harvard and is immediately admitted with junior standing. And Abigail writes a very stern letter to him. And she says, you know, you've really been given everything. You've been handed every book. You've met every possible great thinker on two continents. How unpardonable it would be if you were to be a blockhead. And it's something that he very much takes to heart. He really wants to make an impression um, and live up to his parents' expectations, I think. And that he did so well, in fact, that by the time Quincy turned 30, he was nobody's secretary anymore. He'd already been the minister to the Netherlands, which meant that he was the one to triumphantly oversee America's repayment of the very loans his father had secured during the American Revolution. And by this time, John Adams, he'd also been promoted to the second president of the United States. The nation had officially become the Adams family business, a reality the press observed with disdain which is just one of the reasons why Quincy was not thrilled when his father appointed him to a diplomatic post in Prussia. For a long time, he's really longed for the duties and some of the fame that comes with public service. But he's also seen how the public has soured on his father. And he takes that as a a great caveat. He doesn't want to fall into the depths of that unpopularity that John Adams has cultivated to a degree. His parents were still in charge, and they weren't having it. Both Abigail and John were completely dismissive of his concerns. So John Quincy has said, you know, he's not quite sure about this posting um, to Prussia. And in fact, John Adams writes back and says, I think, however, 
This is the worst founded opinion I ever knew you conceive. Your reasons will not bear examination. Oh my goodness. So, so it's like a boss and your dad. It's the worst yeah. combination. <laughs> so this is a family of lawyers, right? And right. they know how to argue. Quincy, the Adams family swan, yielded to his parents and became the U.S. minister to Prussia. But as it turns out, he was kind of right. Daddy Vice, as the press called John, when lambasting him for handing out favors, wasn't reelected. Quincy had become a skilled and desirable diplomat. President James Madison made him the very first U.S. minister to Russia. From there, it just kept going. President James Monroe appointed him Secretary of State, where he established the Canadian border from Minnesota to the Rockies and negotiated the transfer of Spanish Florida. By the time Quincy left the State Department, he'd learned what Adams family political conventions to preserve. 